Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Football Social Daily, the Premier League podcast. Welcome to Friday's Football Social Daily, an award-winning Premier League podcast and a very happy St. Patrick's Day to everyone celebrating, but you won't be a very happy Patrick at all if your surname is Vieira. Crystal Palace have sacked the Frenchman after midweek defeat at Brighton, with the club hovering just three points above the relegation zone. Is this a big gamble from the Eagles though? Yes, they haven't won a Premier League game in 2023, but they've only dropped one place in the table in this current bad run. We'll get the thoughts of Palace supporter Jack very shortly. And of course, as it's a Friday, we'll do our Fast 3, the pacey Premier League preview where we choose a trio of games that catch our eye and run the rule over them in rapid time. Brendan Rodgers under pressure, another six-pointer at the bottom with Leeds playing Wolves. And how will Arsenal, dumped out of Europe midweek, get on against managerless Palace on Sunday? My name's Niall, welcome to FSD and a very good morning to Marley and to Joel. Any pints of the black stuff on the cards today, fellas? Not for me, mate. I've, uh, I had a really bad experience with Guinness a few years ago and I've never touched it since. So uh, I'll let that one live in your imagination. Would you like to elaborate? Or? Yeah, you're going to divulge any more information or what? Uh, it involved being sick and a tile floor. Um, so, yeah. Oh, well, you like Bambi uh, on ice after that? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, couldn't get close enough to clean it up. I was slipping everywhere. Wait, hang on. Did you say in Mallorca? Yeah. I was what in... were you doing drinking Guinness in Mallorca? Uh, I've, I've got a mate who's a bit, uh, uh, what's the word? Sort of. He loves he loves a drink, and he was like, "Ah, oh, well, we'll we'll drink. We'll you drink what I drink, and then you pick a drink, and I'll pick a drink." So, I, you know, we sort of went one for one and probably about eight or nine pints later, he, he said, right, Guinness. <laughs> and uh, yeah, when it came back up, it was, it wasn't nice. It was just pure black. Guinness and, uh, is perfect in the six months of the year where it's cloudy in countries like the UK and Ireland, not in Mallorca in the sunshine. You can't be drinking Guinness. That just feels bizarre to have a pint of Guinness in the Mallorcan sunshine. Yeah, it was. Uh, I won't be doing it again, put it that way. Yeah, sorry if you're waking up across the pond and just having your breakfast <laughs> on this St. Patrick's Day. Um, if you are waking up across the pond and maybe you're just getting stuck into this podcast, you might not have heard the news that Patrick Vieira has been sacked by Crystal Palace. A bit of a shock for some this morning, but their form in 2023 has been absolutely wretched. They're currently 12th in the table, just three points above the relegation zone. What was your reaction to the news, Joel, when you saw it this morning? I was quite surprised, to be honest, because it does feel a little bit premature when you see that there's still a good, what, 12 games to go. But then when you look at the form 
it almost just tells the story itself, which is they've had five points in 30 potential points that they could have won, which is absolutely awful. If they carry on at that rate, they will go down. And it just seems like they just cannot seem to get any momentum going. I mentioned uh, just in yesterday's podcast how they're the second lowest scorers in the Premier League. And when you can't score at all, I know it's very Michael Owen-esque, but you're not going to win many games, are you? So I think for Steve Parrish, it reminded me, is that, I can't remember the movie, but Wesley Snipes, when he has the gun and he's just crying with tears down his eyes, but he has to put the guy out of his misery because he's a close friend. I don't friend. know the film, but I know the meme. It feels like that what Steve Parrish has done to Patrick Vieira, which is, I'm sure he really has a good connection and a good relationship with him. But when you have to put something out of his misery, you have to do it. Sometimes you have to bite the bullet and say, am I going to stick or twist? And I think in this situation, he's looking at it with a good, nearly just less than a third of the season to go. Will a new manager bounce just get them that extra 10 points that they need or maybe even more at this rate to keep them safe? And I think for him, he's willing to take the gamble, clearly. But I just feel for Patrick Vieira because last season he did... I was impressed with how he took on that Crystal Palace side and they were really exciting in the in the front three. But this year, complete drop-off and I'm not quite sure what's happened. Yeah, I just wonder whether the word you used there, gamble, is a good way to... Summarise it. What do you think, Marley? Because having looked at the statistics, yes, Palace are in terrible form. If you look at the teams they've played in this run of draws and defeats, the majority of them, if not all of them, have been above them in the table, top 10 sides. Whereas the remaining games they've got, aside from two matches, are all against teams below them in the table and a great opportunity to pick up points against rivals and therefore steer yourself clear. So would you consider it a bit of a gamble to get rid of Patrick Vieira at this point? Uh, everything's a, a gamble, I suppose, when you do it with so few games left. Because if if the new guy doesn't quite settle or he's not quite good enough, you you're really risking your future there. I, I don't know who Palace have got in line or in mind to to take over. Because for me, there doesn't seem to be an obvious obvious candidate sort of waiting in the wings. But you know, we we'll have to have to see who emerges as, as favourite to to take the job. But it's um it's a bit of a bit of a gamble I suppose but you know playing teams below them if they do get a bounce usually you you beat the teams below you with with fresh impetus and a fresh approach that can be what what you need to to sort of get two three wins and and you're away from the relegation zone you know if they take five points it's just like what we were saying yesterday if they take five points from the next three or four games they'll probably be all right because everyone down below them is scrapping each other and taking three points off each other and, you know, failing to have that momentum. So maybe a new manager bounce, if if you if you like, is uh, something that you can, you know, use to to pull you pull you away from this, um, you know, free for all going on below you. But I don't think he can be too um, gutted that he got sacked after three months without a win. Like, you know, I think it was it Boxing Day the last time they won. Two uh, nil against Bournemouth, I think it was. I, I, you know, that's that's not good enough. You can't you can't have any qualms with that. Well, they were eleventh after beating Bournemouth. No win in three months, and they're now twelfth. I think that says a lot about the teams below them in the table. But anyway, enough from us. Let's get some thoughts from a Crystal Palace supporter. Joining us now from the brilliant Palace podcast, The Five Year Plan, a warm welcome back to the show to Jack Pierce. How are you feeling, Jack, after the news? sad it was probably the overriding emotion I think a lot of the Palace fan base really hoped this was going to work and the early indication last season was that it was working um, and you could even say up to the World Cup break things were 
moving along as we as we hope they would do. But since the the return, the um, the tepidness of the football, the lack of goal threat um, has has basically led the club to the point where they need to make a decision after Wednesday night against Brighton, and and they've made that decision. I, I honestly think the the braver decision would have been to let Vieira carry on. I actually think. Um, it, this is this is the only option they have in terms of changing the manager. The obviously the transfer window's been and gone, so the only dynamic change they have open to them is is changing the manager, and they and they make that change. So should should the season end with relegation, and and it's an increasing possibility with with every passing match, um, the the club owners can say they they made the change that was open to them. So yeah, it's it's a really sad day for a Palace fan because it, it, I think we're approaching the year anniversary. Of, of a fantastic FA Cup quarter-final win against Everton, which which took us to Wembley. Um, and also in that same week, three Palace players, including Conor Gallagher, who wasn't technically our player, but he was playing for Palace, um, were including in the England squad. So it was halcyon days just a year ago, and, and here we are now looking at uh, who's going to steer us through the tricky last 11 games. Yeah, we'll come on to that in a second, but I think just going back to what you said about the owners of the club, the chairman, Steve Parrish, said in a statement that the powers that be felt that a change was necessary because the club is in a precarious position that being said you were 11th when you last won a game three months ago against Bournemouth now you're just 12th so you only dropped one place and yeah you're probably looking over your shoulders but how bad is it how worried are the fans about relegation I mean they're eternally 12th I think is um, is how we're <laughs> going to look back at this season um, they are increasingly worried um, I, I genuinely think before the City game just you know six days ago I think the, the discussions amongst the fan base would have been almost wholly behind Patrick Vieira and the idea of, of sacking him probably would have been held by a very few um, Palace fans but the I don't know that the lack of threat going forward in that City game you have to acknowledge it's Man City but you know they literally played for a nil-nil in that game um, and then you go to the Amex and have a, have a decent first 15 minutes but then completely fall off the cliff in, in terms of any goal threat in that game as soon as Bryson scored I think it highlights a concerning pattern. So I don't think it's necessarily the case that the Vieira has been sacked because of those two results. Um, but I think it's the patterns that have been identified in those games and the fact that Vieira didn't you know, steer in a different direction in terms of any different tactic, any different um, playing choice. I think you could probably sum up the rut that the manager's in by the continued presence of Jeffrey Schlupp in our midfield. I think there's hardly any Palace fans who would you know, think that was a a good call but the managers persisted within um, and that that kind of highlights it really you know, players like Ebery Jeze have, have fallen off um, massively this season um, Tyreek Mitchell again one of those players who, who was featuring for England this time last year um, nowhere near the player that he was so there, there have been serious drop-offs from players and, and you know when that's the case you do need to look at the coach and, and unfortunately I um, I think the, the, the fear of relegation has, has probably dictated this decision. Yeah, I wonder whether it was a similar situation to what we saw with Patrick Vieira at Nice. And I didn't watch much of his Nice team, but reading some of the reports, it suggests that he started really well there. And then it started to tail off almost irreparably. And it feels like something similar has happened with Palace. Is that the main crux as to why he might have lost his job? You say with the fear of relegation, but the fact that he isn't getting the same out of the same group of players that he was getting out of them four or five months ago. Yeah, I think that that's probably the case. I mean, in some ways, you know, Palace fans are sharing that uh, kind of description of his situation at Nice around uh, this morning, and and you could almost just replace the the name of Nice with the name of Crystal Palace. There are very 
strong similarities in in Vieira's second season being an issue for him. I think that second season was always going to be a challenge, particularly when he wasn't able to to recruit a key catalyst from last season's impressive form in Conor Gallagher and the club's obsession with retaining Gallagher either on a permanent deal or on, a, or on another loan in both the summer window and, and the, the window post-World Cup um, was started to border on embarrassing, to be honest. And, and the fact that we weren't able to move on um, and perhaps the team is, is lacking that, that Conor Gallagher um, presence. Uh, it, again, probably just highlights the, the rut that the manager was in and still trying to play the same way, um, but without a key component of what we did so well last season. Um, so, yeah, it's uh, strong similarities between, you know, Vieira's second season at Nice and, and this one. Um, and, yeah, ultimately, they're, they're, he may have got the points. He may have got the, the few wins at home. Our fixture um, list after Sunday against Arsenal does improve. Um, but then those games are incredibly pressurised now. And they weren't pressurised when you looked at the fixture list even six weeks ago. So Leicester at home on the 1st of April is is a big game. Um, all of a sudden, <laughs> I don't think many Palace fans were thinking that just a few weeks ago. Jack, um, so how do you see it going forward then? Because there's still a good third of the season to go, which is why I was quite shocked that they'd come around to this decision now. I'm guessing because of the international break, it kind of gives them a little bit of leeway to find who they want. Do you think it's going to be some kind of interim or do you think they're going to go for a permanent manager with the prospect of potentially still going down? Um, I, I presumed they would hold on to Patrick Vieira because of the issues that both Leeds and Southampton had in recruiting. And I you know, I looked at the Javi Garcia appointment and you know, I don't know anything about Leeds United internal discussions, but I can't imagine Javi Garcia was on their top 20 targets when they made the decision to sack Jesse Marsh. So that, that kind of highlights the, the difficulty there is in that market. I mean, there's a highly rated candidate internally, Paddy McCarthy, um, ex-player has done a very good job. He's managed through the under-18s and, and he's currently with the under-21 slash 23s. And then that team is is doing very well this season. He's very highly rated. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he's given the reins at least for Sunday at the Emirates. Uh, but my concern would be um, giving, as you say, a, a third of the season to a coach with no senior coaching experience is, is as much of a risk as letting Patrick Vieira continue, I think. So I think if, if, if Paddy McCarthy is to be appointed as the interim boss, beyond Sunday and beyond the international break, I would expect there to be perhaps a senior head appointed to support him. Um, I mean, dare I say we could see the return of Roy Hodgson? I don't know. I was about to ask that because I was looking at the bookies' odds as to who the next manager could be and Roy Hodgson is on there. So I was a bit surprised to see that after the kind of clamour for him to leave. I I agree with you though. There's no tried and tested way. You look at what's happened with... Southampton and Leeds and their respective appointments and then if you go down the Paddy McCarthy route you've got something maybe akin to what's happened at Bournemouth where they gave Gary O'Neill a few games it worked out really well and now they're back where they were before almost so yeah there's a few options there but if Roy Hodgson did come back that would cause a bit of a storm would it not? Yeah a huge storm (laughs) especially for his wife (laughs) yeah well you know she's expecting nice country walks and nice Sunday lunches and uh, all of a sudden she might have that ripped up Look, I think that the issue with Roy, I would, you know, to, to, you know, put jokes aside, he was very good at what he did with the squad that he had. Um, and I think we saw with Watford last season, he can't go in and and turn a squad that doesn't play his football into a squad that plays his football very quickly. He needs his, you know, he needs his lieutenants in there. He needs his Scott Dans. He needs his, his Gary Cahills. He needs James MacArthur, three years younger than he currently is. I think going into the Palace squad, that's been evolving since since Roy left and asking them to play the Roy way would be a risk as well. So 
every option is a risk. And I do include maintaining Vieira as our manager would also have been a risk given the last four months. So, you know, that this is the this is the game name of the game, isn't it, as owners of Premier League clubs. They've got decisions to make. It's their money ultimately and, and they they've made a twist. But I, I wouldn't be surprised if if Roy, who's very trusted by um, you know, Dougie Friedman, uh Steve Parrish and and, and that probably would be of influence to, to the American um owners too. Um I, I wouldn't be surprised if at least Roy's perhaps contacted for initial discussions. That would be some return for Roy Hodgson to Selhurst Park. Just finally, are you confident? Do you feel like you've got it in you to survive? Because every fan of any of those bottom eight clubs that we've spoken to on the podcast in the last few weeks are all absolutely terrified of going down. So you wouldn't be on your own if you were slightly concerned about how the season might end. No, I think... um... There is a lot of fear amongst the fan base, um, and I, I was in the away end on on Wednesday night of the MX, and it wasn't a particularly nice place to be come full time. And I think that that probably could have played a, an influence in the decisions that's been made. The fans are starting to, you know, split away from those that are on the pitch, and that's never a good look for for any manager or any side. Um, however, I I look at the playing staff that we have. You know, Wilfred Zaha, Ebri Chiesa, Michael Elise, Odson Edouard. There there are players there that should be able to provide the creative spark that we're clearly missing, perhaps with a change of tact and a change of approach with the manager. So my my hope is that a new manager would come in and, and we'll be able to cultivate a greater goal threat than we currently have. They he he, whoever that he will be, will have the the tools to do that. Um I think one of the reasons why Patrick Vera has gone is is sadly players like Ebri Chese and, and Odson Edward have have not had the the management that that suits them and they have not provided any of the attacking output that we would hope from them so um you know I, I i'm hopeful um but being 12th has probably provided a bit of a um uh, a bit of a, a false um security um because we've been 12th but the teams below us have been catching up us up gradually so i guess we'll see after the international break i don't think we hold much hope for um for sunday going to going to the emirates but you know after that leicester leads uh, Southampton, Everton are the four next games after that. And they are they are big games now. Jack, appreciate your time as ever. Thanks for joining us on the podcast. You can hear Jack on the five-year plan podcast. Best of luck, mate. And hopefully the next time we talk to you, it's in slightly more cheery circumstances. Thanks so much. Anytime, guys. Great to hear from Jack there. And don't forget, you can check out the five-year plan on social media and of course, via their website. But next up on Football Social Daily, we're going to be talking about Palace's game this weekend because even though they've got no manager, it's up against Patrick Vieira's former club as a player, Arsenal. We'll talk about it after this. Welcome back. This is Football Social Daily, your Premier League podcast from the Sport Social team. And on a Friday, we like to run quickly through some of the big games in the Premier League over the course of the weekend. Now, a few of them, of course, have been postponed due to the fact that it is FA Cup quarter final weekend as well. So slim pickings when it comes to the Premier League matches. But what we've been left with, there are still some tasty games to look forward to. One that stuck out even before the departure of Patrick Vieira from Crystal Palace was their game away at the Emirates Stadium, particularly considering Arsenal lost to Sporting last night and they are out of the Europa League. This is how this works. We pick three games. We've got five minutes to talk on each. Once the timer runs out, Marley and Joel will have to stop talking and that is it. We'll move on to the next one. So let's begin with this Arsenal against Palace game and we'll begin with you, Joel. 
We talk about a new manager bounce. Will it be a case of no manager bounce for Crystal Palace in the best way possible against the league leaders? How do you see this one going? Yeah, this game's one where I don't really... It's basically who's going to have the stronger reaction because obviously Arsenal just come off the back of being dumped out of Europe by Lisbon on penalties just last night. And then obviously you've got Palace who are now managerless. It's, it's difficult to tell who's going to have um, more of the impetus going into it. But I think for Arsenal... It's going to be one of those games where they need to win it before going into going into the international break because otherwise coming out of it with potentially City two points behind them, one point behind them, or two points behind them probably most likely, that's not the greatest uh, start to coming into April where they've got a really tough run of fixtures to come and obviously that massive game against City as well just um, halfway through April. So it's vitally important that they win this one. Whereas for Palace, I mean... They haven't got a better incentive to go ahead and try and change their form than change that three, uh, five points in 30 points. Now, let me scratch that. Um, for that uh, Palace don't have a better incentive than to actually go and change their form of, you know, only having one win in the last five, five points in 30 potential points available. There's, um, there's just so much incentive going into it, but... I think a lot of people will have looked at the table and thought, well, Palace are 12, what, what what are they doing sacking Patrick Vieira? But as we've all discussed so many times, one win takes you all the way down to 18th and one loss can bring you all the way down again. So it's just such a pendulum swinger at the moment. And I think for Palace going away to the Emirates, I think they can have a little bit of confidence because Palace going away to big sides, I'd namely suggest City as well. They always have seem to have a very good attacking counter-attacking threat when they go to these sides who dominate possession constantly. So that may be something that they can exploit, but I fully expect Arsenal to have a reaction after that Lisbon game, depending on if the players feel, you know, not fatigued after playing 120 minutes. Well, we mentioned when it comes to Arsenal, Marley, that it almost seems about the reaction to when they lose. Last season, when they lost games, they would end up losing two or three in a row and it would hinder them. This season, when they've lost games, which hasn't been often, they've responded in the next match. As Joel says, they're out of Europe and we discussed yesterday whether we think that might actually benefit them in the race for the title. Whatever happens, it's another game on Sunday in the Premier League, another three points up for grabs. If they want the title, they have to react, don't they? Simple as that. Yeah, it's uh, it's another mentality test of right you've had a disappointment and it's uh people are going to be saying right your your chances are even bigger now of winning the prem because you're only you're only playing one week um one game a week now until the end of the season so it's another little like um mini test for them i think it's um it'll be on their minds as well i think i don't know it you know logic suggests it will help them but it could hinder them You you never know um, it's just something that we need to find out about this Arsenal team, to be honest. And you know they've got Palace on on Sunday, and I'm thinking having like Arsenal having just lost, you know, in 120 minutes on the Thursday, they've got two and a half days of recovery, and they're playing Palace, who've got the um, <clears throat> the reins unleashed a little bit, and no manager. Sometimes you've seen it with Southampton; they pulled off a big win over Chelsea with them. Um, Ruben Seles as, as their manager, um, well, interim manager at the time, and he got the job full-time. So, you know, it, it could be um, a bit of a sort of perfect storm for Palace to go and um, to go and win that game and, you know, put another dent in Arsenal's title hopes. But 
for Arsenal, they've just got to show maturity beyond their, their years sort of thing and, and just get back to normal business, and business as usual, and beat um, beat teams they should be beating. I like what Marley says there, Joel. Another mentality test for Arsenal. Yes, there's no European football now because they're out and that gives them just the Premier League to focus on. But if they do win the title, this will be the youngest group of players to have ever won the title. Surely pressure and surely nervousness will start to creep in at some point in the next few weeks. Well, I think their situation most similarly resembles when Liverpool, I think it was in the 2014 season with Brendan Rodgers, where they seem to be comfortably going ahead in the last five games. And I think everyone remembers they just absolutely capitulated and Manchester City ended up winning all of their last games and taking the title. That was a Liverpool team who, again, in the similar instance to Arsenal, had not been in a title race for decades. It was their first real chance at silverware of this magnitude and they completely capitulated. I'm not saying that's going to happen with Arsenal, but... That's where we'll truly see whether they have you know, the minerals to actually go ahead and win the whole thing because just looking at their fixture list from now until the end of the season, they still got to play the majority of the top six, which is you know Liverpool, um, Chelsea, well, I was going to say Chelsea, but they're not really top six anymore, uh, Manchester City, Brighton, Newcastle. These are all games that are going to be massively testing for them, especially going away from home as well, so... I don't know how it's going to go, but I do think Man City will prevail. Oh, Man City will prevail, says the Manchester United fan. Still a long way to go in the title race, but I think every step that Arsenal can take and narrow that time period between now and the end of the season, I think they've got an excellent chance of winning the Premier League. I'm not quite sure we're at bottling it territory yet, but we're not far off. We're not far off. Arsenal against Crystal Palace, the only game on Sunday in the Premier League. Of course, as I mentioned earlier, there are FA Cup quarterfinal games this weekend, of which Wolves and Leeds won't be involved because they're out of the cup, but they are embroiled in a relegation fight, Marley. And this is another relegation six-pointer. Where's the cliche bell? It's in the studio and we're at home today. But still, we're going to see a few of these in the next eight weeks, aren't we? Wolves against Leeds or any of those teams in the, the bottom eight of the Premier League coming up against each other. They're going to be huge matches, and this is another one. Yeah, it's uh, it's another chance for you know teams to to slightly pull away. You know, Wolves weren't they weren't awful against Newcastle last week, but they you know they didn't do enough to to win the game or to to even get a point. Really, they they look very toothless in attack. But I think they've they've clearly improved since Lopetegui came in, and I think it helps when you can get a a manager of that caliber in. When they were well, they were bottom of the league, weren't they? Uh, the dog next door agrees with me. I'm booting off next door. Um, but no, you know, it, like that sort of level of experience and know-how is um, is invaluable in that race. I think Wolves are what are Wolves now, like thirteenth or fourteenth or something like that. So yeah, it's um, like position-wise, they're out, they're out of it, sort of thing. But points-wise, they're, they're not. Um, but I think beating beating Leeds, if they can do that, would be you know would be another big big step towards uh, towards safety. To be honest, and you know it's um, you're sort of on the verge of, of reeling in Palace as well. Like if Palace lose to to Arsenal, for example, on Sunday, and Wolves have gone and beat Leeds at the weekend the day before, you know you're above them, and that's that's another another sort of club sacrificed for your your safety needs type of thing hmm, yeah absolutely if Wolves win they go into 12th and to 30 points they'll be the first side 
out of those bottom eight clubs to reach the 30 point mark. We often say 40 points is the magic number for safety. And I think a few clubs will touch 40 points, but I think it's going to be a lot less than that to secure survival. So going 12th, albeit you're still not totally clear of your Wolves, it's a good psychological benefit, you could say, Joel, couldn't you? It is, but again, with Wolves, it's, it felt like he had a stronger start, but they've had one win in the last five under Lopetegui, and they're the joint lowest scoring team in the Premier League next to um, Everton and Southampton. So again, they have similar issues. Uh, every single side below them have similar issues, which is this literally cannot have a goal scorer who can find the back of the net. Uh, but similarly, I think Wolves are really struggling at the back because obviously they've not got Connor Cody and Roman Seis who both left at the same time. And last season they finished 10th and they had an amazing defensive record. I think I remember they constantly kept winning, just 1-0, 1-0 constantly and they were not conceding any goals. Now it's the complete opposite where they've been completely gutted out defensively. And then in attack... It's the same again from last season. I've I've got a massive gripe with Wolves because it just seems like they keep getting duped in the attacking areas where they bought Fabio Silva, who'd scored one goal for Porto for £35 million, and now he's at Anderlecht, I think. And then they've just signed Mateus Cunha from Atletico Madrid for a good £45 million. He scored six goals last season, and he's literally not even scored a goal this season. There's something going massively wrong there where I think there's a little bit of conflict of interest in the board in terms of who they're getting, a lot of age and influence, but it's no good for this team. They feel I feel like Wolves are a club who've got a massive grip from above and when you see the fact that they're not getting anything out of these big money signings, that's a massive telling of what's going on there. And I'm, I'm sure the, the, the fans, I mean, spending 80 million on strikers and you've not got one goal out of them is alarming. So I think for them, you know, having to rely on Jimenez, who has just not been the same player at all since his head injury, which is so unfortunate because prior to that, he was such a good player to watch. And it just seems like that grit and that aggressiveness to his game's completely gone. He feels a little bit too safe now. And trying to replace him with these players who are just nowhere near the calibre needed, um, I think is quite suspicious and alarming, to be honest. So for them, again, is a case of just trying to grind out wins because they cannot score at all. What about Leeds then, Marley? They rolled the dice, got rid of Jesse March, brought in Javi Gracia, and how's he done so far in your opinion? Just uh, as expected, to be honest. I, did, I didn't expect a huge increase in, in Leeds's, you know, points, uh, you know, picking up points quicker, and I didn't expect a huge sort of change in how they played. Um I just think Grassi is one of them where he'll do what he'll do what the squad is meant to do. I don't think he'll particularly overachieve. I don't think he'll particularly under underachieve. So, um, I I do I do worry a bit for Leeds. I, I'm not sure where they're better than teams around them. I don't know whether they're defensively better. I don't know whether they're um, sort of better up front or can can control games in midfield better than the teams around them. Because um, they they tend to have sort of performances where they look they look good at times, but then they leave the back door open. So that needs to stop if they're going to stay up. Leeds United against Wolves, another big game in the relegation battle. As I said earlier, it feels like every single weekend we might have at least one, maybe two, or even three of these big games between sides at the bottom. And another side who'll be looking over their shoulders are Leicester City. And they take on a Brentford team who have been really difficult to beat in the last two seasons under Thomas Frank in the Premier League. As for Leicester, they're 16th in the standings, level on points with 18th placed Bournemouth with no win in their last four games. In fact, they've lost 
their last four matches. Big, big game this for Leicester City, as they all will be between now and the end of the season. How much pressure, Joel, is Brendan Rodgers under right now? I'm a bit conflicted with how this is going to go because I know that the owners probably feel slight guilt that they haven't been able to give Brendan Rodgers the resources he needs to actually go on and progress from last season. Well, the last two to three seasons, which have been such overachieving seasons. But now he's in a position where I don't think he's ever been in this position in his career where he's had to almost fight to save the club from going down. He's usually, like we mentioned a couple of weeks ago, he's a bit more of a progressive manager where you use him to try and get to the next level or to play better football or to try and break into the top six or top four, which is what he did at Leicester over the last few years. But now he finds himself in a, finds himself in a situation where I think we all knew it was coming, which is they've lost their best assets, you know, the likes of Fofana, um, and so many others over the last few years, and they've just failed to replace them with good quality uh, replacements to actually fill their boots. And they're going to be even more outgoings in the summer when you see Telemans, who's got you know his contract running out. And if they are to go down, I mean, that would be absolutely catastrophic, wouldn't it? You wouldn't imagine that the likes of James Madison and Harvey Barnes would stick well, Madison's around, only got a year left on his deal, so this, clubs yeah. will no doubt be looking at but that. Th- th- that just kind of shows reflections of the club of just not being proactive in these sorts of things they shouldn't even be in that position where they're potentially losing him on a free um but i just don't know how much how much resolve the owners are going to have in the next weeks because when you look at their april they've got you know like you mentioned a lot of teams around them who are candidates for going down the likes of crystal palace and the likes of bournemouth and wolves and everton these are all vital games that they're gonna have to get points out of and I just don't know if Brendan Rodgers has the characteristics for a manager to keep his side up. Because like I mentioned, he's never been in this situation before in his career in the Premier League. So I don't know how he's going to react to it, but I also don't know how much time the owners are going to give him. Because if he, say, loses the next two games against Brentford and against Palace, which are both away games, that's probably going to leave Leicester hovering around the relegation zone. And when you see their form as well, four losses in the last five, they're in a similar position to Crystal Palace, which is they've got no momentum. Their form is completely shot. And to try and get that back is going to take a monumental effort against against the Brentford side who just come off the back of a 12-game undefeated run and have an amazing home record. I don't know where the wins are coming from, but I do think with Leicester, they have the biggest advantage over the teams below them, which is that they have better individual quality who can get them out of situations quite quickly, like Madison Barnes, um, Ian Acho to an extent. So I'm more confident for Leicester than I am for all the teams around them. But again, it's all a case of trying to get form and momentum and they, they seem like the worst ones at the moment for that. That was going to be my next question. Along with West Ham, Marley, these two sides, Leicester City and West Ham, they look like two sides that stick out the most, like a sore thumb. Along with the Hammers, Leicester, I think, have the best squad. But that being said, that doesn't always get you out of trouble. So is it a case of staying patient and trusting the quality or does it need to come sooner than that? Um, it needs to come soon, but, you know, it, it is there. They have got that, like, um, uh, what's the word, sort of... They've got that no. They they know that the quality is there. Whereas I think someone like Leeds and and Everton, they're hoping for it. They're trying to get teamwork um, through that, and that is something that you know the, you have to hope it's there. You don't know it's there. Like you're hoping, for example, like Leeds are hoping Rodrigo comes back and gives them something, or or Rutter kicks on and and you know has a good start. Whereas 
you know, Leicester and West Ham are like, if Paqueta and Bowen turn up for for West Ham, they could easily win a game. Um, if Leicester, if Barnes plays well and Madison scores, you know, pulls the strings and scores a, a worldie from 30 yards or, you know, scores a one of the goals he, he sort of typically scores, you know, they'll be fine as well, but that has to come. Like, it hasn't come for 28 games, so in the final 10, you know, it, it needs to be there, but they do have that know that it is there. They just need to bring it to the fore. Finally then, Joel, I should apologise to you because Ivan Tony is in the England squad. You said he might be. I said there's no chance he's in, so you have to accept my apology. Apology accepted now. I've received a tip from the FA. <laughs> <laughs> I really hope that's not the case. Otherwise, we'll be under investigation as well before too long. Uh, don't forget there are some <laughs> other big games taking place in the Premier League over the course of the weekend, including tonight. Nottingham Forest, Newcastle is an 8pm kickoff. There's Villa, Bournemouth, Southampton welcome Spurs to St Mary's whilst Chelsea host another relegation candidate in Everton and as I mentioned earlier the only game on Sunday is that Arsenal against Crystal Palace match. Here's how the Premier League table looks then going into the weekend from the bottom up Southampton foot of the table two points from safety then it's Leeds and Bournemouth in 18th West Ham and Leicester just above on 24 points in 17th and 16th then we've got Everton Nottingham Forest Wolves and Crystal Palace bit of a gap then to the top 11 teams an eight point gap between Palace and Villa Chelsea a 10th and from the top down Arsenal still lead the way with that five point cushion over Manchester City in second Man United a third Tottenham fourth Newcastle are in fifth place whilst Liverpool and Brighton complete sixth and seventh that is it for this week's Football Social Daily though but we will be back on Monday with more reaction to the weekend's Premier League action and indeed an interview with a former Premier League star as well so hit subscribe and that way you will not miss it but from myself Marley and Joel that's it for today have a great weekend and we'll speak to you next time on FST. Football Social Daily is a voice work sport production for the Sports Social Podcast Network.